Good morning. This is Leon Rodriguez. I am a partner at Seifarth Shaw and also a member of Seifarth's business immigration group and immigration compliance and enforcement team. Today, I want to talk to you about options for assisting persons, including former employees and contractors who are currently in Afghanistan, but wish to come to the United States under some sort of humanitarian-based immigration status. This is an area where we as a firm have received a lot of questions in the last couple of months since the U.S. drawdown in Afghanistan began. And they really come from two basic categories of clients. The first are clients who, in fact, had operations of one sort or other in Afghanistan during the U.S. presence there, and as a result, have either current or former employees and their families or current and former contractors in their families who are still in Afghanistan and who, because of their involvement with U.S. federal contractors, in many cases defense or other kinds of national security contractors, are in fact at some significant hazard because of the current situation and government alignment in Afghanistan. The other category are companies who really, out of a sense more of humanitarian obligation, want to help people in Afghanistan. This can include situations where, for example, U.S.-based employees uh, have family members in Afghanistan who they would like to assist in coming to the U.S. or otherwise seeking refuge somewhere in the world, or companies who simply want to assist people in harm's way who are in Afghanistan. So that's the situation in which we have found ourselves. There are really four primary categories of humanitarian admission into the U.S. The first, and the one you probably have heard about in the news, it's something that's been around for a lot of years. A number of people have actually already, over a number of years, entered the U.S. in this category, is what is known as the special immigrant visa category. And within that category, there are actually two subcategories. One are individuals who have served as interpreters or translators directly for U.S. forces in Afghanistan. And then the other category are those who have worked for contractors, defense contractors in various capacities, not just interpretation, translation, but other capacities uh, in the U.S. And so these are eligible for admission to the U.S in special immigrant visa status. These are individuals who, when they arrive in the United States, have a green card. So they have all the advantages of legal permanent residence to the United States. They are able to work. And they also have a full suite of benefits for the first year that they are in the U.S. in order to help them adjust to life in the U.S. The next two categories come under the definition of refugee. And refugee, by definition, is somebody who either has been persecuted or fears persecution in their country based on their race, religion, national origin, social group, or political opinion. 
That's something as it was very easy in the case of Syria some years back to show that one qualified in this status. This is also true of Afghanistan. And there are two categories that matter. Each comes with the designation P and a number, so P1 and P2. So we're going to talk about P2 first. P2 is a category that at this point is probably has very few options left. And P2 is basically a spillover category from the special immigrant visa category that I described before. These are individuals who are in Afghanistan, have in some way supported the U.S. government in Afghanistan, but for whatever reason don't qualify in the special immigrant visa category. Those individuals qualify in the P-2, and those are individuals who would have applied, this is no longer actually possible, would have applied at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, most likely, in order to acquire the status. Then there's the more traditional P-1 category, which is the broader, more traditional refugee status that everybody thinks about. The main distinction, and this could be anybody, this doesn't have to be anybody who has any particular relationship to the U.S. government, but does have to fit that definition of persecution that I shared earlier. This needs to occur at either an outpost of the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees or at an embassy or consulate of the United States. So right now, inside Afghanistan, that is not a possibility. And therefore, people who wish to come to the U.S. in that category need to find their way to another country. This is, of course, challenging because several of the countries that border Afghanistan now are difficult to get to, problematic to enter. And therefore, this is uh, an area that is constantly changing in terms of what are the ways to evacuate from Afghanistan. But in both those P1 and P2 categories, if you're admitted into the U.S., you are then on track within a year to apply for legal permanent residency. You don't automatically become one. You have to apply. And you also get that full suite of benefits in your first year in the U.S., again, to assist with your acclimation to the U.S., including, by the way, in both cases, your ability to work in the U.S. essentially immediately. And then there's one final category, and this is one that provides for accelerated admission to the U.S., and that's called humanitarian parole. And this is basically under a part of the immigration law that allows individuals to be admitted temporarily into the United States for a broad variety of humanitarian reasons. This is most commonly used in the case of individuals who either are coming to the U.S. for very needed medical treatment that is occurring on an emergent basis or family members of such people. But it can also be used in a broader number of other categories as well. This is a temporary admission. So even if it may be granted for a year or two years, it is a temporary category of admission. Those individuals are going to want to pursue something more permanent. And so that in most cases will mean that those individuals will ask for asylum in the United States. Asylum is basically the same thing as refugee status. The only difference is that you're not applying from outside of the U.S. You're applying from inside of the U.S. for that status. So those are really the four options for admission to the U.S. There are different ways that companies can support people, whether it is their own employees or contractors or people who they are supporting just out of the goodness of their heart in order to aid them both in 
getting to the U.S. and then ultimately in beginning their lives in the U.S. Probably the most important one and the one that really often draws the most questions is the question of letters of support. And companies often are being asked to write letters of support, not just for people they know, in other words, their former employees and contractors in Afghanistan, but often for individuals that they don't know and whose histories they don't know, often family members of persons, either employees or contractors who are otherwise in the country. On the whole, writing letters of support for individuals coming in any of the statuses that I mentioned is relatively low risk for companies. It is something that often is necessary for companies to do in in order to support people who have supported those companies in prior years. The one main area of risk, though, is to be careful to be factual in order to avoid any kind of probably theoretical penalty for making false statements. And so therefore, whether it's talking about an employee or contractor really staying specific to what is known about that person and also what is known about the potential risks to that person. So if a risk is not a risk that is known for fact, but one that is just likely based on the facts and circumstances of that country or that region of Afghanistan, then it should be presented that way, in particular when talking about family members who the company doesn't know at all. And so in those cases, really sticking to what the connection is to those family members, what is generally known about the risks in uh, Afghanistan, but not, for example, vouching for anything that's not vouching in a conclusory way, in other words, without some basis in fact, that people are not a threat to the national security of the U.S. Because as folks know, one of the big areas of opposition and one of the big areas of concern for the government are potential national security issues that may be presented, at least by some very small number of people attempting to enter into the U.S. under humanitarian parole, refugee status, SIV status. And the way for companies not to get mixed up in that is really to just really stick to the facts whenever they're writing letters of support. There have been some questions about evacuation. This is a particularly difficult area as this changes really almost on a daily basis what the potential avenues for evacuation are. I'm certainly happy here to talk to our clients about possible non-governmental organizations with whom they can speak and also contacts within the federal government with whom they can speak to determine potential avenues of evacuation. But this is going to be a constantly evolving area. We'll continue to seek to support our clients as they meet these challenges, and we will keep everyone up to date with the latest information. That's it for now, and we will look forward to speaking to you all soon. Once again, my name is Leon Rodriguez, and I'm in Cyforth's DC office.